0: The show that brings you in where the magic happens. Welcome to... The Writer's Room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host Aaron, but not that Aaron of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop Writer Frank. Hello. Hey, Frank, it's been a while since we've had you on, and uh, I'm really excited to have you on. But uh, for you listening at home, we write for SifPop.com, providing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure that you check out the web- website, SifPop.com, to keep up with those. We have a great show for you this week. We're going to start off here in the pitch, which is now. So it's good that we're on schedule so far. Can't promise too much after that, especially with Frank on the show. <laughs> we'll soon move to the coming attractions, where we'll give our thoughts on a movie that's coming out soon. We'll talk about Batman, Death and the Family. Uh, and then on to our sift topic, which will be the uh, Tom Clancy Jack Ryan movies. And we will explore the B plot after that, answering a question that we had for the show. And we'll wrap up with a spin off, a quick recommend or warn from each one of us. Uh, but first, let's get a chance to uh, reacquaint ourselves with our writer this week. So, Frank, you were on the show, um, this episode two, um, uh, or like real episode two. And, uh, Really, really had a good time chatting some. I think we, we, we did TV, just did a TV catch up that week. And uh, it was a good time doing that and uh, to get inside that head of yours. And speaking of that head of yours, getting inside it. And you have some of the most, un, let's just say most unique is probably the best way to put it. Articles for the BEC challenge or just Sif Pop articles or whatever. Like, walk us through how your head creates these.
1: First of all, holy crap, have you become an auctioneer since the last time I was on? Like You just went through like five minutes of script And a minute and a half there (laughs) It's all stuff we could just breeze by When you sent me the list of what we're going to be talking about this week In my head I realized Okay, this is my last week with Sif Pop (laughs) Because you're not going to want to know my writing process (laughs) Pretty much when we get the emails Of what the article is going to be that week I'm always angry It never pops up that I get the email I have to search for it so normally I see a comment that it's out and I find it. And right away, like, the four or five best movies
0: are immediately gone already. That's true. That's very true. You got to be quick to the to the jump.
1: But like, when the list comes out, I immediately try, like, I don't know, my brain kind of works like fireworks or firecrackers. Because I, like, try to push the limit on what I can get away with and still be on this side of... Not quite family-friendly, but right up on the line of going over the line. So I try to find a movie where I know instantly where I'll be able to make the jokes or what kind of alternate angle I can take on it. I always write about movies I've definitely seen because of having you know, kids and a full-time job. I may not be able to get a chance to rewatch it, even though I always intend on doing that. Yeah. So a lot of times I'm just going through memory and trying to find out what angles I can go with. My writing process is, okay, what can I get the most
0: jokes out of but still technically be in the category. Awesome. Hey, well Frank, tell me about what is your favorite movie of all time, but specifically like why would you claim that one? Why what makes that movie beyond excellent to you?
1: I always hate this question when I'm talking with anybody. Like, hey, what's your favorite movie? And I go, I need a little more than that to work with. Sure. But I've started to settle in to where like I may not have a favorite movie, it depends on my mood, but I do have, like, my absolute go-tos, ones that I can never get tired of, and I gotta settle with uh, the Back to the Future trilogy. Even the third one? Yeah. yeah. I don't know yeah. if I talked about this last time I'm on, but every time I talk about Back to the Future, to me,
0: all three is just one long movie. Yeah, I get that. And I think that's kind of the way it's intended, unlike Star Wars movies. <laughs> yeah, like, that in the Matrix series
1: I could watch you know, in one sitting, yeah. but back to the future. Like, yeah, like I'm rebuying it again on October 20th. When it comes out on 4k UHD, Best Buy has a steelbook collection. No, they don't pay me to plug that,
0: but, uh, Best Buy, give me money. You got to stop telling me about these things. Cause I don't have the budget for that kind of stuff. Well, this past week, uh, Best Buy has a steelbook for whiplash 4k. I know it's on my list. I'll get it when it drops. Uh, I'll get it when it's, you know, 10 or 15 bucks.
1: Well, the steelbooks, yeah, they either sell them, out
0: or. Yeah, I know. That's why I just keep them on my list and, you know, just wait until they become a reasonable price because I'm not going to spend 35 bucks on a 10 year old movie. like
1: Yeah, it's only $27.99 plus tax.
0: Yeah, but like, you really
1: sound like a Best Buy. Well, yeah, if I'm,
0: if I'm gonna spend twenty seven ninety nine, I'm, I'm gonna buy a Criterion collection or you know a, a new movie, yeah. right? I'm not gonna buy a five year old movie that I already own. Hey, I I'm own on four K. i on 4 ki would but...
1: be all about Criterion if they supported
0: four K at this point. Well, I mean, most of them are like four K masters or two K masters on a on a Blu Ray disc. It's not the I same, know. but yeah, uh, they're they're pretty remarkable for for just Blu Rays, but. Uh, Anyway, let's uh, let's move on for a little bit. Yeah, I feel like I could talk about this stuff with you all the day. Yeah, and I think I do on Twitter with you quite a bit. But I got I got one random question for you, and I got a disclaimer this by Frank. Let's try to keep this as PG as possible. But have you ever sent the wrong text message to the wrong person, like an intended text message to the wrong person?
1: I have done that many a times. I really can't go into much more detail than that. I've never sent a wrong picture or
0: video. So it's not that bad. I was not assuming it was that bad. Good. Maybe maybe I'm just a little bit more optimistic than most of the people that read the articles. <laughs>
1: I'll have to save those stories for a Sif pop after dark. Sif <laughs> pop after dark
0: coming 2021. <laughs> I I have a fun story about sending uh sending the wrong message to the wrong group of people. It was an accident though. So uh, I I used to not keep a pass lock on my phone. Because my phone is always on me and typically like, kind of my philosophy is I shouldn't have anything on my phone that's like worth, like, that anybody can access. And you, anything that's like buying things is typically passcode regarded, even fingerprint locked at some point. That's the way it used to be. And so when I mow, I wear basketball shorts and you stick a phone in the basketball shorts and it's especially a hot, sweaty day like in Iowa. Then sometimes your leg makes motions on your phone for you. <laughs> and uh and that's what happened to me and so uh in the process of me mowing my my backyard i was i was online dating at the time which is how i met my wife and uh i was using this app and i had it open recently because i was chatting with somebody uh, and i went to go mow the lawn and Wait, I you had a my dating pocket. app
1: open recently yeah why do you still have the app if you're married
0: No, 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 no. This was two years ago when when the story happened. I had it opened recently. It wasn't closed. And so Mm -hmm. it managed to. I have an Android. So it managed to, like, you know, do that thing where you can select which, like, open app you want. And so it went back one. You know, it didn't send any messages to anybody. It didn't, you know, didn't do anything, you know, really bad. It just copied my referral link and then decided to go to open up Facebook Messenger and send that referral link to four different. Two existing group chats, both of them are for work. One of them is with the staff that I work with, one of them is with the college <laughs> students that I work with. And then uh, one of them was just individually DM'd <laughs> to one of those college students that I work with, and another one was was created with that same college student and a separate individual that I know who is a married adult and managed to create all of the you know those and send a referral link to the dating website i mean like, it didn't say anything bad it was just super embarrassing and it was like a if you join up on this app and you'll get me like you know bonus points that i can you know use to meet honeys and whatnot and it's just like well, what was the dating site i gotta know it was coffee meets bagel so you know i'm not i'm not attending uh, that is that, that is a completely
1: innocent site exactly so right i'm not that, you know, i'm not a really Tinder
0: person I, you know so that was, that was my story of sending the wrong message. And I just wrote one, the one student that I sent that to three times, just to put in that big group chat, you're like, what is happening? <laughs> I had to like, just apologize. And my coworker told me I should have just leaned into it leaned into it and just been like, I'm trying to get those bagel points, yo. <laughs> bagels ain't gonna buy themselves that's right that's right on that note let's move on to the coming attraction we'll be talking about batman death and the family here the synopsis is that this is the very first interactive dc animated movie where you get to decide jason todd's fate and so uh that was the actual synopsis from imdb it doesn't really go into depth this is the comic book uh story arc there's a two-part story arc called Death in the Family and then Under the Red Hood. I've talked uh, a lot about how Under the Red Hood is my favorite DC animated movie of all time and probably will always be. It's one of my favorite stories. Uh, for those of you that have played the Batman Arkham games, uh, the they have essentially modified or adapted the story to be um, Arkham Knight instead of Red Hood, but same story there. Uh, and so Jason Todd, it, it least two comic book runs. One is Death in the Family. Jason Todd, who is the Robin after Dick Grayson, winds up uh, being killed by the Joker in uh, in the line of duty, and then is resurrected in the Lazarus Pit later and becomes the Red Hood and all that. And so that's kind of the um, the synopsis for this movie. I mean, sorry if that spoils things for you, but we're talking about you know a, an older comic book that's been pro- portrayed several times already, and that's just kind of kind of where things go. Uh, this is this is the first time that DC is doing an interactive movie, and um, so that's special, but. You know, Frank, if this was going to be, I mean, this wouldn't be a theatrical release because this is uh, you know interactive and I don't think you can do interactive in a theatrical manner. But let's just say hypothetically, this was a theatrical release and you know, there was no COVID or anything like that. And so you still felt comfortable going to the theaters. How soon do you think you'd catch this? you think you'd try to go opening night? Do you think you would uh, wait to catch a matinee, pay a couple extra less bucks or wait to rent it at home, wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for? Or are you just not interested in, see, in uh, checking this experience out? Before, I
1: used to have an idea that I always wanted to make a movie that could be in the theaters and the audience could, like, vote on decisions and forward the movie that way. Now, after playing the game Among Us the past few weeks, I would not see this movie in theaters. I would wait for it to be at home because I rage at that game when people don't vote the way they need to. Like, I tell them who the killer is and if they don't pick it. I rage. So, if I saw this in the theaters and they didn't go the way I wanted it, outrage. Uh, so, I better
0: see this safely at home and alone. But in terms of like anticipation level, if you could guarantee a theater to yourself, would you be there sometime in the theaters? Oh, I'm excited. I'm definitely excited for this. It'll depend on how
1: it plays out. Like, was it being the first of its kind? I think I'd be better at home. Sure. Because I used to read, like, those choose your own adventure books all the time when I was yeah. a kid. But I would look at my options, go to the page, start reading the page. And if it didn't look like it was turning out, to do a different choice. Yeah. So I could see myself watching that's in the family,
0: make a decision, not like it, try and back up, do another yeah. one. Yeah, I, I would be opening weekend, opening night, anticipation level for this. I'm very excited for this. I actually have this pre-ordered. I'm here for this. I'm excited for this. I love the idea of incorporating interactive things into more things because I think so far the only real two examples that I know of are the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt special and Bandersnatch, Black Mirror Bandersnatch, which was kind of the start of all that. And you know, if you want to count the, if you buy the Final Destination 3 DVD, I think you can do some sort of interactive and I don't think it changes the story at all. Just who lives and who dies. And I, I think I did that when it came out because Kind of a big fan of that franchise, actually, but yeah. my only gripe is I wish they would have done a story that we are, we already don't know. I mean, there's a million different comic stories, and this Jason Todd story has already d- been done in an animated form, and so typically the people that are watching these animated movies have seen a lot of them. So they've probably seen Under the Red Hood, and I don't. I would rather something new, something different. And you know, even if you haven't watched the animated movie, I mean, then you have Arkham Knight, or you know, maybe you read the comics, or I mean, there's a lot of. I think a lot of people were exposed to Jason Todd when there was theories that the Joker and Suicide Squad was Jason Todd. He turned into Joker instead of Red Hood, and um, I mean, they debunked that to not be true. But I'm really excited for this. My my only gripe is I wish they would have done a different story. But I'm still going to check this out. Now, my problem with a lot
1: of any of the choosing your own adventures and decisions, basically, like even in video games, I feel like a lot of them, it's only just kind of a bubble timeline. You have a starting point, and you have an end point, And then you have decisions in the middle that all eventually lead to the same end point anyway. Sure. So I'm hoping that with Death and the Family, that they just completely go all out and essentially, just like okay, you make this decision, a whole other timeline of events. I'm hoping that's what they did with this, to where it's not all building up to the same ending, no matter what you do.
0: Yeah, I hope it's the same thing. But I'm curious, what is your history with any interactive properties? I mean, you've mentioned some of the create your, you know, choose your own adventure books, but do you have history with like any of the you know, Netflix Bandersnatch or the the interactive uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt special, or like even something like the Telltale video games? Mostly the
1: Telltale video games, especially like the Walking Dead ones. My very first like really interactive experience that wasn't a book would go all the way back to the game Heavy Rain. Okay. And that one is where I think it kind of set the bar for me for different endings because I believe that one had, I think,
0: 27 different possible endings based on your decisions. Wow. Yeah, I know I've played a couple video games. I can't think of any that come to mind that give you a decision kind of halfway through that, you know, kind of determines the outcome of the game. Like I know Red Dead Redemption 2 is a popular recent example, but you're talking there's four possible endings for Arthur. And either way, the ending is always the same, you know, once you start playing as John Marston. But, you know, the ending is always, you know, it's only four options. I mean, that's not really a lot. And there's really only like one or two different decisions that affect that. I I did do the Netflix Bandersnatch. Uh, I've only done it the once. So I did it once kind of all the way through like to get to the end. And then I think I, you know, I, I think I think I did it kind of immediately again and made some different choices just to kind of see how it all plays out. Um, I definitely was not that person who wanted to get every single possibility out there and try it all. Would definitely like to go back and do it at some point again. I The Netflix Kimmy Schmidt one has been on my list for forever. I just have not gotten around to it yet. And um, I'm, I'm excited, to. And then, yeah, I've played the Telltale games. I've done the uh, the first season of The Walking Dead, the first season of The Batman, the, the Game of Thrones, one that they did, the Guardians of the Galaxy, one that they did in a similar way. I know it's not Telltale, but it's very similar style. Life mm-hmm. is Strange is one of my favorite ga- story driven games. That game is just excellent.
1: Another good Telltale game you should do back to the future.
0: I own that one and it's because it was free with Xbox games with gold. So I own it. I just haven't gotten around to it and then same with the Wolf Among Us and Batman season 2 and The Walking Dead season 2. So like I'm definitely trying to get more do more of them, but they're I mean there are time commitments.
1: Yeah, and the Back to the Future one, I actually consider that to be like Back to the Future part 4 to me.
0: Okay. Like it's really good and
1: I highly recommend it just based on the story alone.
0: Well, like I said, I think my only gripe here is just that it is a story that we've already seen. But that's not going to deter me from trying this new experience. I think they played it safe by going with a story that people already know and love. And, you know, I mean, I could think of, I mean, this would also work well with the Hush storyline, which I also know they just did an animated movie on that. Uh, I think this could be a really good one for Court of Owls, which they just announced that they're doing the Long Halloween Part 1 and 2 Uh, coming out next year 2021 Uh, i think this could be a really interesting you know if they wanted to do just kind of a riddler movie or um even incorporate two-face i mean even even do the anim like take the arkham series and make it an animated movie instead or at least like portions of it and you know make it your decisions affect things and you know i just that's really all i have to say about this i like i said i pre-ordered it i'm going to check it out day one and uh, I'm excited uh, th- by the way I should note that this doesn't come out until October 13th so it's not like this week that the episode launches that um that it's coming out it's it's closer to two weeks but there's really nothing coming out this week and then next week there's uh, something else that we'll be talking about and so I just instead of doing two and one and zero and the other I just you know, even out so it is two weeks before this comes out practically but uh man i' I've, I've pre-ordered this I'm excited i it'd be interesting if they did a we're not gonna do it obviously but
1: An interactive one where you're a young Bruce Wayne, and no matter what you do, your parents die at the end. Like, what should we do? Should we go to a play? Go see a movie?
0: What movie? What should we do? No matter what, it ends with them getting capped in the alley. Watching everybody try to deter everything from getting Thomas and Martha killed in the alley. And either way, they always still get killed in an alley that night. It's like, let's go bowling or let's, you know, we're going to do something really safe. Or we're going to stay in, but that night somebody happened to burgle the place. Like, So it sounds like we're both excited for this um, kind of some different levels. With that in mind, let's move on to the Sif topic. We're going to be talking about the Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan movies. And I got to specify Jack Ryan movies because this is relatively news to me. Um, there, Just because I always forget about it, but there were two Tom Clancy books that were uh, adapted to movies. Uh, that were not part of – that did not contain this character, Jack Ryan, and that is yeah. Op Center and Net Force, at least you know, based off of his books at least. But those aren't typically like some of his highly regarded books. And so, so the five Jack Ryan movies, uh, if you're unfamiliar with them or you didn't even know they were a connected character, is The Hunt for Red October – patriot games clear and present danger the sum of all fears and jack ryan shadow recruit this is the same character that john krasinski portrays in the amazon tv series jack ryan which we'll talk about briefly but we really want to focus on the movies and so here's a quick spoiler warning for these movies i'm i don't really know that anything i have to say is going to spoil anything but you know i can't speak for frank and you know i can't speak for the way the discussion is going to go so these these aren't necessarily movies that i don't know even it matters if you're spoiled but we like to the reason we're doing this, Jack Ryan on this odd fifth Wednesday of the month is because uh, this week, Tom Clancy's Without Remorse was supposed to release. This is the John Clark Origin Story movie. Um, which I found out recently has been in development since the book came out. Um, it's just finally actually going to come out. Uh, but because of COVID, I think kind of post-production wrapped up right around the time that COVID happened and uh, you know, that kind of delayed the process and then they pushed back the theatrical release date and, I, and Amazon bought it. I don't know if that means they're going to release it straight on Prime or if they're going to do a theatrical and Prime side-by-side or something like that. But it's supposed to come out in February now, but that's not going to stop us from talking about the Jack Ryan movies and Frank, I think you had a note to talk about for uh without remorse kind of life with COVID and stuff like that yeah like like I said COVID has like it
1: delayed this movie It's changed a lot of movies I mean Black Widow's delayed an entire year Fast and Furious 9 like everyone's pretty much every movie's delayed until next year but like I said it's not stopping us from talking about it because you had this episode planned well in advance right and like even stuff like you know wonder woman that's delayed i think until december november probably it'll get delayed again but yeah probably but that hasn't stopped everything else around it like it hasn't stopped like the pop figures or the hot toys like you go to some walmart's and they have wonder woman back to school supplies everywhere Because even though the movie's got delayed, everything else that's been set in motion and planned and agreements, everything else is still moving forward as if the movie did come out. And I find that kind of hilarious. Like all the deals they made to promote the movie are still going on, but
0: you can't see the movie. Yeah, I guess I never thought about that. But yeah, that's interesting.
1: I can only assume from a contractual standpoint... They didn't have like clauses on like, hey, if the movie gets delayed, then all of those stuff would stop. Everything else is just moving forward. And now recently, like, it just got announced, I think today, that Tenet is going to be hitting uh, like 4K and digital December fifteenth, which okay. was it coming out in the original date of July anyway. I feel like yeah, that's that, pretty logical. They're, they're not pushing the release of well and then frankly more. i
0: think partly because they probably didn't do as well in the box office as they wanted now they're going to try to get that christmas crowd of everybody and everybody that's wanted to go see it that doesn't want to go to theaters is going to buy that up day one and i'm gonna buy it up day one even though i did see it in theaters well and was, as we're also talking about uh life with covid stuff you know i i have not yet mentioned that frank got married since last time we had him on and so congratulations frank oh yeah i've only been engaged for like 13 years so i mean <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, let's move on to the Jack Ryan movies. Um, we'll start with um, The Hunt for re- Well, first of all, I want to know, do you have any experience with Tom Clancy properties? Uh, ideally, other than the movies, but you know, the books, the games, um, anything like that. Do you have experience uh, with, with the properties?
1: Have not read the books. When I was a kid, I always wanted to play Rainbow Six because of that little airplane level demo that I saw. Never got to. I played... A little bit of uh, Rainbow
0: Six on the current consoles.
1: But outside of the movies, no, not really.
0: Okay, that's fair. I'm a big Tom Clancy fan. I got into him because of the games. I think the first Tom Clancy game I ever played was Splinter Cell. And I've played kind of off and on the Splinter Cells. Uh, but I've played everyone since you know Conviction and on. Uh, I think I tried Double Agent a little bit. Um, and i tried the original a little bit, um, and I bought Chaos Theory recently since that one's supposed to be the best, but I love Conviction. I love Blacklist. I'm here for whatever they're going to put out. Um, I, uh, and at this point I'll pretty much buy most things that have Tom Clancy's name on it, especially in a video game. You know, I, I even, you know, I bought the division, um, when it came out and it was, I don't really like RPGs. Um, so I didn't play that one for terribly long. I played End War, which I thought was actually surprisingly pretty okay. Uh, it was very repetitive, but like. I really loved the conceit and all that. I, di- I didn't get around to playing Rainbow Six until Rainbow Six Vegas on the Xbox 360, and I love those two games, and I love them so much that I want to go back and um, like play any of the PS2 ones that I just didn't get to play. Um, so if there's any of those that are actually really worth playing, please let me know. In the you know, email me or tweet me or something like that to uh, to to let me know that yeah you. Don't play this one, but please, yeah, definitely pick up this one. And I'll, there's a video game that I'm st- shop down the store that I think has a couple of them in stock. Uh, and I do play Rainbow Six Siege on the Xbox One quite a bit. Um, I really love that game. I think it's really special for being in the spirit of the original Rainbow Six book, which I did read the Rainbow Six book in high school after Vegas and Vegas 2 uh, because I love that property so much. And the book is outstanding. And then. I've talked about it several times recently, but since starting the podcast, I read without remorse because I knew the movie was coming out. And this is a story that I want to, so I'm trying to read the, the, they call it the Ryan verse, the John Clark, Jack Ryan books. Uh, I'm trying to read them at least up to rainbow six just at some point. So I've been kind of buying them off and on, but, Haven't read past that, but let's, uh, that's just kind of my experience with the Tom Clancy stuff. And so the first movie uh, that came out is the hunt for red October. This is actually a pretty quick turnaround from the book because the book was so well received when it first came out. This is the first published book in the Jack Ryan, you know, the Ryan verse. Um, this does not take place chronologically first though, which is uh, interesting we 'll talk a little bit more about that later but this is just uh, the first released book and it did so well Paramount immediately bought up the rights and uh, and produced this movie just a couple years later and uh, the synopsis for this movie is that November 1984 the soviet union 's best submarine captain in their new sub violates orders and heads to the us is he trying to defect or start a war Frank hunt for Red October do you like this movie love it hate it dislike it or think it 's just okay
1: I really like it. It's. I feel like it's a nice, condensed movie. Like every time I watch it, it's always a breeze. I really like Young Baldwin in this. I don't know cause like, if I remember right, I believe the movie is only rated PG. It is, which that's kind of shocking in its own. With like, with it being a military type movie, Connery gives a performance that just nails it. Being the uh,
0: somewhat spoilery bad guy, good guy. Kind of thing. Sure, I love this movie. I've I've always, I think, at the first time I watched it, I liked it. But I think the second time, I grew into loved it, and I I definitely love this movie. Um, this has to be the best water based military movie, like of all time. Like this just has to be. That's not a terribly wide pool to pick from. I mean, I guess you, really your only other pool is Under Siege and U five seven one, Battleship <laughs> maybe, but <laughs> but like Battleship is not good. <laughs> I guess Midway, which came out last year, is also your know, water based military. I mean it's really air based, but it takes place on the water. Pearl Harbor. Yeah. You know, kinda <laughs> kinda same thing, both air and some water. I mean, Pacific Rim, maybe, because <laughs> they fight in the water a lot. Anyway, this we I mean, this has to be Pacific Rim to the hunt with Red October. <laughs> I'm just saying they're both water based military <laughs> movies. Anyway, I I love this movie. I, I agree with you. I think uh, Alec Baldwin is uh, is 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 great in this role, especially for trying to portray this character. And uh, uh, Sean Sean Connery is really the the reason why you should watch this movie for an actor. And uh, just ignore his accent. Well, and yeah, I don't care. It's not going to bother me that much. Uh, and it's just... what country is he? Uh... He's from he's from Scotland. Scotland. He's supposed to be from Russia in the movie, but he doesn't have a Russian accent. He still has a Scottish <laughs> accent, but it's okay.
1: They're like, hey, it's it's Connery. We're ignoring. That's it. right. That's I right. It.
0: Uh, it's a shame that we don't continue with Alec Baldwin after this. And I'm not saying it's because I necessarily like love him as Jack Ryan. I think the screenplay is very Jack Ryan. Um, and I think Baldwin is is good, but I just I just mean for continuity's sake. I mean, it's a really like they try to make Patriot Games a sequel, but it just I wish. But but that was a question
1: I wanted to bring up with the uh, Harrison okay. Ford ones. Are they considered
0: the same yes. series, or is it just? Yes. So so, *Humphrey* *Red October*, *Patriot Games*, *Clear and Present Danger* are meant to be. I mean, not a trilogy, but a trilogy. Um, like they weren't. They were intending on making it a franchise, uh, but then after *Clear and Present Danger*, that nobody could agree on the next script, and and eventually it was just too much time had passed, and Harrison Ford's just like just reboot it if you really want to make more. And eventually they did the the sum of all fears, but, um, it, which is why James Earl Jones is in the three of them. He's the only returning actor. And so, okay, so yeah, so he's terrific too. James Earl Jones is great. I love him as Greer here, essentially because hunt for red October did so well. Baldwin wanted more money to come back for the next one and he wanted $6 million and the, the studio actually wanted Harrison Ford for hunt for red October, but he did, did, did he turned it down because the screenplay is not Jack Ryan focused. It's um the it's Sean Connery's characters focus. It's uh, gosh, I'm blanking on his name right now anyway, but it's, it's that character, the Russian general it's, it's, it's really his movie and Harrison Ford's like, I don't want to be a supporting role. I'm freaking Harrison Ford. And, uh, and so he, he turned it down. And then, so with Patriot games, Baldwin wanted more money. He wanted $6 million and, they're like, well, with six million dollars, we could get Harrison Ford, and so, you know, why would we pay Alec Baldwin six million dollars? <laughs> and it's kind of the way that went. So, <laughs> he I mean, <laughs> kind of, but that, I, yeah, I think the studio is a bit of a jerk on that one, especially. I'll talk about it a little bit later, but yeah, just I think it's I think it's such a shame we don't get to continue with Baldwin because it is so jarring, especially Harrison Ford being like fifty. They really had to change some of the like story elements to you know. Jack Ryan doing what he did at the hunt for red October would not be where Jack Ryan is at the start of Patriot games. And there's several reasons for that. I'll talk about it when we get to Patriot games, but the other actor that's really notable of is Courtney B Vance. He plays the sonar technician guy. Uh, he's a scene stealer every time he's on. It's just terrific. And this movie is, like I said, better every time I watch it. And it's, it's really interesting because man, this, there's not a lot that goes on in this movie, but it's so freaking suspenseful. Like it's a relatively contained story, but I'm, I'm like white knuckled the whole time. <laughs> I will say the second hour of this movie feels a little long, and I feel like a lot of that is because within I think twenty minutes of the movie, like ten minutes in the movie, we're introduced to the fact that Connery may not be—you know—he's up to something different, and it's very clearly pointed out that Jack Ryan believes that he's trying to defect. And obviously, our protagonist having a theory that nobody believes is correct is going to be proven right. So I think I think it's just the reveal of him, and I don't know if it's the book. You can off a little more. Yeah, and I don't know if it's the same way in the book. I haven't read that one yet. Yeah, so but I'm wondering if if it's that. But I just feel like I I don't know how you tell the story in a different way, but I feel like because it's 20 minutes in this you know two hour ish movie, and it's revealed that Jack Ryan believes he's defecting, and then like uh, you know obviously we got to go for that mindset, and it just makes a lot of the second hour I think a little long. I think the only other, yeah, the only other note I have here is I I really want the four K of this one. It's a four K steelbook, and a lot of that is because I think they. I mean, it's the Blu Ray is fine, but I want to see that that pristine picture quality and the audio, especially. I bought the Blu Ray five pack like a year ago, okay, and you know I watched them all then. Is it the four K five pack or just the Blu Ray? Blu Ray, okay. I have the Blu Ray four pack, which just doesn't include the Chris Pine one.
1: Like I really cheaped out, like it was just a Blu-ray, not even the Blu-ray digital. Cause I was like, hey, it's ten bucks cheaper without the digital. And I'm like, ah. So I went this week to go rewatch them all and I can't find the Blu-rays anywhere. Oh, so but you look, just have empty cases? No, no, no. I couldn't find the case. Like I got no oh, idea. Oh, you can't where find the at. pack. Got it. And like, I went wow, now I kinda wish I did buy the digital.
0: <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate.
1: Yeah, so I'm a, I'm really rusty. <laughs>
0: Well, do you have any other notes you want to say about this? Not really. Like I said, like
1: like Connery is the real reason to watch the movie. Even though Baldwin did a great job, it's really much a Connery movie.
0: Sure. Um, I'll say one last note, and then we can move on. And that's just, this is definitely the best screenplay of any of the Jack Ryan movies. Uh, It really shows, I think, that most of the reason why this movie works so well is because the screenplay is so amazing. And it really gets the tone of the characters right, and it really portrays it in a way that I mean, this was destined to succeed based off the screenplay alone. So um, that's kind of the last last note that I wanted to make. And so uh, with that, we can move on to Patriot Games. This came out too late, two years later. Uh, synopsis for this movie is when CIA analyst Jack Ryan interferes with an IRA assassination, a renegade faction target targets him and his family for revenge. This book released after the Hunt of Red October, but takes place before. This is supposed to be the first, like, Jack Ryan chronological story. Uh, and so, like, it kind of creates, because because they went with Harrison Ford, they had to all of a sudden make him 50 instead of 35, which is what the original script was calling for. Look, I love Harrison Ford. I don't think he was right for this role. And, you know, it just makes that transition really awkward and clunky. And Well, here in Present Danger and Patriot Games, I saw
1: those before I saw Hunt for Red October. And I think Ford does great as Jack
0: Ryan. So that's why, I guess, to me, these were separate than Hunt from Red October. I think I saw Patriot Games before I saw Hunt for Red October, but definitely not Clear and Present Danger. And uh, I guess before we move on, Patriot Games. Frank, do you like it? Love it? Hate it? Just like it? Or think it's just okay?
1: Well, here's my issue. Like I said, I watched these like a year ago. Patriot Games, is this the one that ends with, like, in the water with the boat? Or is that yes. Clear and Present Danger?
0: Yes, the, okay. no. This is the one where the they eventually get Jack at his house. as he's having a party? Or they try to get Jack at his house.
1: I really enjoyed it. I didn't hate it. Like pretty much, spoiler alert. Except for Shadow Recruit, I enjoy all these movies for what they are. Yeah. And I guess maybe that's because I don't have like. It's not like I was exposed to these movies as a kid and had like some deep seated love for them. I came at these movies more when I was a lot older. And, I don't know, for some reason, like, older movies I can just enjoy for what they are. Patriot Games, I do believe, like, I was having an issue with it. Like, it did feel like it was a little too long. Okay. But outside of that, no real complaints with it. But at the same time, nothing really stands out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Clear and Present Danger has some scenes that really stand out to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, and we'll talk about that in just a second, because I I watched Clear and Present Danger this morning. I watched Patriot Games, I think, two days ago, and they're starkly different movies. I'm going to land on like it for Patriot Games. Uh, When I first saw this movie, I think I loved it, but I think the second time I watched it, I still really liked it. I think I liked it now, and it's for a lot of different reasons, because when I first watched it, I was maybe middle school, so any action movie I was going to love. And you know, especially Harrison Ford, I really love Harrison Ford. But I think it's just familiar with the with maybe the character, familiar with just movies in generals. I mean, when I saw Patriot Games for the first time, I don't know how many movies I'd seen overall. Like you know, like maybe it wasn't a ton, and so like I didn't. I'm bored by this formula now, like watching this time because here's one of the problems. This movie is the story is nothing special, and that's not at all a knock Tom Clancy it's a knock on this the screenplay for this movie because I'm sh- the story for Patriot Games is relatively this for my, you know, but that's just the overall story, but there's Tom Clancy really shines in the, the detail, the intricate. That's why Hunt for Red October is so good. And that screenplay is, is really good because it, because it understands the, the little things about this. I mean, this is, this just not a special story in any mean, in any sense of that phrase.
1: Now I know we're going to talk about it later, but now don't, do you, don't you think all these different stories would always do much better in a television format versus a movie format, where they have to cut out so much to try and condense it?
0: I do think that that would be that, that is the case, uh, and I will definitely talk about that later. But I think that if we didn't have the example of Hunt for Red October, then I would be more willing to, to accept that. But because Hunt for Red October is, I think, a very ideal screenplay adaptation having not read the book. Um, since I think that it <laughs> showed, it has shown that it could do that so well, I think that Patriot Games has no excuse.
1: But Hunt for Red Act has, to me, has a much more simpler storyline. It's just there's a sub, the guy driving in is defecting,
0: his own guys don't know, then we have our team that's chasing them. That's kind of just... I think Patriot Games is a simpler story than that, at least the way the movie portrays it, because it's Jack Ryan... Stops an assassination. The people that he apprehended now want to mm. kill him and his family. There you go. That's a lot simpler. There's a lot less character motivations, uh intricacies there. So um I think another big reason for this movie, and I, I'm going to talk about Harrison Ford. I wanted to. We're going to rank the actors that pr- played each person later, and I'm going to have to make a distinction here because, um uh, like I said, *Clear and Present Danger* and *Patriot Games* both very different, but here. In Patriot Games, Harrison Ford is playing Harrison Ford. He's not playing Jack Ryan. And it's really bothersome to me. Greer's the only character that really fits in this movie. Sean Bean is playing a stock bad guy. Well, with... Sean Bean's Sean Bean. <laughs> right, right. But, like, we've seen Sean Bean be, you know, Ed Stark or, or Ned Stark or uh, Boromir. Yeah, I don't
1: watch Lord of the Rings.
0: Yeah, we've seen him be more intricate characters. And I get that in both of those examples I listed. He's good guys. But, like, you know, even Goldeneye, he's a little bit more layered of a... Of a villain than he is, and he's he, he's just playing stock bad guy in this movie. Uh, it's really yeah uninspired, and some of the action is directed a little cleverly. Specifically, there's a scene where um, there's a hitman out to get Jack Ryan, and he notices him in the uh, in the rearview mirror of a van as he's walking by, and so they're kind of playing a little like you know, that's shot a little cleverly. But I mean that's that's about it. The screenplay is nothing special. The direction is nothing special. None of the actors are anything special except for James Earl Jones.
1: Now, one thing that always cracks me up with this series as a whole hunt for red October rated PG Patriot games rated R clear and present danger is going to go for the 13 rating.
0: Yep. Clear and present danger. I read this to the trivia today was actually rated R upon the initial MPA decision, but then they appealed without actually <laughs> editing, editing anything and won the appeal. And I think a lot of that has to change too with, I think, I think because they had an older Jack Ryan, because it was a, more physically violent movie because of the subject matter. I think a lot of it yeah, just turned, but I think PG-13 would be the route to go with these, although I think that, honestly, John Clark would be more R-rated because he is a more R-rated character. And like you said, I think this movie is is not very long. It's only two hours, but it feels a lot longer than that, and I really wish the first 90 minutes were shorter because not much happens in that first 90 minutes, and I wish that the last 25 minutes, which is that kind of defending himself at the house were longer because that was the stuff that I really liked. Um, But then it wouldn't really be a Jack Ryan movie. And I mean, that's really what it all boils down to. Um, And it's, it's almost, it's really weird that this movie gets, gets going so fast. And then immediately, like it doesn't even slow down. It just hits the brakes. Like within 10 minutes, the assassination attempt has been made and, and that's it. And then it takes, you know, an hour and a half after that for anything else to happen. And it's just like, You know, this could have easily been a 90 minute movie. No, I agree with you there. Uh, I still like this movie, but 10 years ago, this would have been my go to Jack Ryan movie, and now it is maybe second from the bottom. Um, I would pick nearly any of, definitely any from this era over Patriot Games. Uh, And that's all I have to say about that. Do you have any other final thoughts? I do not. All right. Well, then let's move on to Clear and Present Danger. Synopsis for this movie is uh, CIA analyst Jack Ryan is drawn into an illegal war fought by the U.S. government against a Colombian drug cartel. This came out two years after Patriot Games. So, so far, we're two years uh, from from each one. And this is kind of a miracle. I mean, because this is a long movie. It's got a lot of action set pieces. The script is pretty in-depth. I was really surprised that this only came out two years after. Well it wouldn't surprise me if they were working on this script at the same time. Oh, I'm sure they would. They were. And man, nineteen ninety four is repping my favorite year of movie history of all time. So mm-hmm. this is man, this is part of that conversation too, because I love this movie. This is uh I I don't I don't think I'm quite as fond of it as Hunt for Red October. But uh, it's close, and uh, I think I like this movie more than most people. I think this movie's really good. What do you think, Frank?
1: Of all the action set pieces for Clear and Present Danger, which
0: one stands out the most to you? It's got to be the car scene uh, with the transport. Yep. Right? (laughs) And, you know, yep, and that's like and that's that, not to say that any of the stuff with John Clark's team is not bad either. But that, that transport getting pinned in the... I mean, that's intense stuff.
1: Yeah, like, when I think of Jack Ryan, that's the first thing I think about. Well, maybe John Krinsky might be now, but before, sure. movie-wise, that scene, it's intense. I love it. Like, I think out of the entire series, that maybe be, like, the best shot sequence
0: in it. It, ju- it draws you right into the action. Sure. So um, do you like it, love it? Kind of, where do you fall on how much you like, how much you appreciate this movie? I would have, I might say, it might be my number two so far. Overall, I'll give it my number
1: two. Uh, so far, <laughs> I might make it my number one, just slightly edging that's... out Red October.
0: Okay, honestly, give me the choice. Pick, pick which one I'm, I'm going to watch. I might pick *Clear Present Danger* before, but that's just because you know the action set pieces. Where *Hunt for Red October* really only has the one. And Killer and Present Danger* is a lot more complex of a story than *Hunt for Red October*, so I, I might choose to pick that on. But *Hunt for Red October*, I think, is still the better movie. And this, man, like I said, this is a serious increase in Harrison Ford's performance because he feels like Jack Ryan in this movie. Yeah, you know, like I said, he was playing Harrison Ford in *Patriot Games*. He's playing Jack Ryan in this movie, and I, I think I think part of that is the screenplay is significantly better from *Patriot Games*. I like this a lot. It's a uh, I think kind of Ford was given more to work with and, you know, maybe in the two years between, he actually got a chance to read the book. Uh, maybe there's something <laughs> there, but yeah, he feels like Jack Ryan in this movie. And yeah, I, I always love uh, a Jack Ryan and jo- I love the presence of John Clark. So I actually read that the same year that this movie came out, Paramount offered uh, was so the without remorse book, that's a John Clark's origin story came out in 1993 and uh, the Paramount immediately bought the rights to it. And since they were already, you know, working on the Jack Ryan stuff, like I think before the book even came out and uh, they bought the rights to make it and they were planning on making it and they offered Keanu Reeves $7 million to be the lead in that role. And he turned it down. And I don't, I don't know that Keanu would have been a good John Clark. I think Keanu today would be a really good John Clark, uh, but I don't know about (laughs) Keanu in 1994. I mean, he was coming off off of speed, fresh off, fresh off of speed. He hadn't done Matrix yet, but It wasn't quite removed enough from Bill and Ted. I really like he's he's a John Clark is a very John Wick. Hold up, hold up. All
1: right, so you
0: just said that
1: you can't believe him because he's like fresh off of Bill and Ted, but you also said you could see Keanu now, sure. But right now, he is also fresh off of Bill and Ted.
0: Look, I'm gonna talk about Bill and Ted later, (laughs) but man, Keanu did not feel like he did not feel like bill in bill and ted in this or ted (laughs) he's ted not bill he did not feel like ted and bill and ted to me in this new one so i'll talk about it later i liked him i liked the movie but he was he stuck out he stuck out like a sore thumb this time because this character john clark john clark is a lot like this john wick style especially with his like just tone and his his dark this darkness to this character. I, I think that you know Keanu playing John Clark right now would be really cool. I'm very excited for the Michael B. Jordan um, portrayal here, but mm-hmm. I love the addition of John Clark as always. I think Willem Dafoe did fine as the character for what the screenplay needed. I, probably not who I would have picked personally because I would have wanted somebody who could play a little darker. I mean, Willem Dafoe is very like theatrical and thematic and over the top, and Jar- John Clark is a pretty subdued kind of not not think about the situation first. He's a doer, not a he is a thinker. But he's a doer first, whereas Jack Ryan is a thinker first. And it's also really cool to see John Clark leading a team because that's what he does in the Rainbow Six um, series. You have the video games and the book and uh, the the two char- two of the three characters from his team that survived by the end. Ramirez, that's uh, Benjamin Bratt's character. And uh, Chavez, that's the sniper, wind up, they're part of his team Rainbow in Rainbow Six. And kind of this is the start of their, from my understanding, this is the start of their acquaintanceship. And so eventually, you know, however many years later, when he starts Rainbow Six, these are the first two guys that he calls. And Chavez even winds up marrying John Clark's daughter. But uh, that's just neither here nor there. The story in this movie is just excellent. It's, uh, like I said, it's probably, it it might be the most watchable Jack Ryan movie. Everybody's given pretty stellar performances. Uh, just across the board, there's there's that really amazing moment at the end. By the way, if you haven't seen this movie, please don't watch a trailer before because it spoils a really great moment in the end. And so, yeah, you know, if you if you're in your podcast player, then skip ahead 15 seconds. Um <laughs> if you've seen the or if you don't care, if you've seen the movie, like there's that really great moment at the end where he just goes, How dare you, Jack, for coming. He's like, How dare you, sir? and like that, like that's such a great scene and it it's right there in the trailer and like it doesn't you know it gives you all the context you need and it's like crap and it's like the second to the last scene like <laughs> i'm done i'm i don't have much more to say about this movie. i like it i the action set pieces are great i think ford's good again yeah
1: man i feel i feel bad right now
0: this podcast episode just sent me back 60 bucks
1: I just rebought the collection on 4K on Voodoo.
0: <laughs> man, you—I think you could find probably the physicals on 4K and digital for sixty bucks. I did, but Amazon has it for seventy. Oh, so the extra ten? Yeah, I mean, I prefer a disc over. Anyway, Me too, but yeah. I would have paid the extra ten bucks to also get the disc. Anyway, look, yo, know, good for you. You got some good movies that you can can watch again. And I can't lose them again. That's right. All right, man, let's do it. Let's move on to The Sum of All Fears. This is an interesting one. This came out in 2002. So this is uh, eight years after Clearly Present Danger. Like I said, they were trying to decide on what movie they were going to do next. And at some point, they were going to do The Cardinal and The Kremlin, but they decided that one would be really hard to adapt. And uh, I think eventually they settled on The Sum of All Fears. But by that point, they couldn't... Nobody could agree on which screenplay they wanted to use, and by that point, Harrison Ford was 60 or whatever, and they were just like, look, just just reboot it. Um, So this is separate. This is a reboot. This is his origin story with Ben Affleck as Jack Ryan, and this is a CIA analyst, Jack Ryan must stop the plans of a neo-Nazi faction that threatens to induce a catastrophic conflict between the United States and Russia's presidents by detonating a nuclear weapon at a football game in Baltimore, Maryland. Which, wow, that synopsis, I just took that straight off of uh, IMDb. That is the whole movie. Like, that isn't even, like, a tease. This is my third watch. I did not like it at all initially, and then I thought it was okay the second time, and now I think I kind of really like this movie. What do you think, Frank? I loved it when it came out. I still love it. It's my number one. Interesting. It's going to be a fun conversation then.
1: I've always been a fan of Affleck. I'm not afraid to admit it. Same. But yeah, this is the movie where it introduced me to Jack Ryan, the character in general. I don't know anything about the books at the time. I know a little bit more about the books, but at the time when this came out, I was like 16. It was an action movie, had Affleck. To me, it did something that not a lot of action movies were doing. This is going to be a spoiler alert. Yeah, the movie's from 2002. I'm going to say it. the bomb actually goes off. And that's something you didn't see in a lot of action movies where the bad guy goes yeah. through with the plans. And I'm not saying it was nice to see a bomb go off. But I'm just saying it was nice that the movie went there. It, had to be, like, it could get away with the visual effects that it had at the time. I mean, come on. We have one of our favorite movie presidents in it. That's right, James Cromwell. I think it would be hard for me to come up with something that I didn't like about the movie. But like you said, you saw it the first time you didn't like it. It appears that the movie's grown on you a little bit. So, your first time watching it, what did you not like?
0: I thought it was slow and boring, and I didn't particularly care about any of the characters, especially the the girlfriend, or really anybody except for Ben Affleck and uh, Morgan Freeman. I thought the movie was, took a long time to get going. I still don't think it necessarily, to this day, does the great job of on a first watch, kind of portraying who is who and and they're doing what in this movie. But yeah, I, I just I just thought this is about as okay as movie gets, as movies get. Uh, and then I watched it again when I bought the four pack, which I just bought because I hadn't, I had owned red October at that point, but I hadn't owned Patriot games, of clear present danger. And the four pack was like 20 bucks for just the blu-rays. I was just like, you know, I'm just going to watch all these. And that includes some of all fears. I was like, you know, I like this more, but it's still just okay. Uh, but I really like this movie this time. I still think there's a lot of things that don't work. I think, I think there's no reason why this movie couldn't have been Affleck already established and the, gr- the, the, the person that he's with the girl couldn't like, they couldn't have already been married. Like they're not, he's not that young that it's inconceivable or anything like that. Mm. Like there's, there's just no reason why they couldn't have, have already had him be established like he is in when this book yeah, takes place.
1: I know, but I kind of look at against the movies of the time, would it be in the early 2000s. Then every action movie needed to be more of a average Joe getting thrown into an extraordinary situation. It also needed to have the humorous moments of every other action movie at
0: the time. Yeah, that's just how movies were back then. I feel old. I remember when this movie came out, I I got this homeroom class in middle school where you were supposed to like read for homeroom. And like that was always the high school route is you're supposed to read on Tuesdays and Thursdays and on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you could read or work on homework, but you're still supposed to be silent. Half the teachers obeyed that, half of them didn't. And uh, my freshman year, I got that teacher that was a stickler about the rules. And so I rented this book from our school's library and I liked it, but it's a thick book and I'm a pretty slow reader. At least I, w- I was a very slow reader at that point, um, so I asked my mom to pick up the book for me, and I don't think I ever got more than a hundred pages in. But uh, you know, now that I'm re- reading the rest of them, and I think I could tolerate things that are a little bit you know quite this dense, I I think I'm really gonna enjoy it this time around. I love Affleck in this role. I think he's great. I think he's a, a terrific cast. Like I'll be honest, when we're done with this, I'm gonna go rewatch it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, uh, I I really like him in this role. Uh, I don't particularly like leif Schreiber as uh as John Clark. Oh wait, Lee Shar is playing John Clark? Yeah, and you said he was
1: like he was in Russia. Which is the Rainbow Six guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That just clicked for some reason.
0: Yeah, but I just I don't particularly like him in this world. I don't think he's anything special. He's he's a pretty stock character, and even then, I just don't. He's not a likable guy to me. Um, and there's nothing he's done to do that. I mean, maybe it's because my only exposure to him has been uh, he's always been the a hole. Well, it's only been Scream, <laughs> Scream. Th- I saw Scream. I think I, I saw Scream two before I saw Scream three, but I didn't recognize <laughs> him until Scream three. Like it was one of those situations where he came on when I popped in Scream three. I was like, who is that guy? that we watched two. I was like, oh, it's right there. Like obviously. Every time I see him in a movie, I just assume he's the bad guy or an angel. Well, yeah, and Sabretooth and all that. It's just, I don't know. And, like, John Clark is not necessarily, like, he's a guy you want to root for, but he's not necessarily a good guy.
1: So maybe he was cast off.
0: Has some pretty incredibly shocking moments, even for a third watch, specifically the nuke going off. Although it does cause a lot of problems because, like, that was a nuclear bomb, right? Yeah. Okay. Jack Ryan was in the helicopter in the shockwave of that like he would have definitely been exposed to radiation that would have killed him <laughs> in a week right definitely and there's no mention of that this time the two hours felt pretty brisk uh it definitely feels like a large book that's condensed down to the bears bare bones and it kind of suffers for it and this is this is the perfect example of why jack ryan should be a tv series rather than a movie you know that's a good idea you should pitch it to somebody <laughs> I'll call John Krasinski tomorrow. I'm really hoping that they do a cinematic... Uni- like a, I'm hoping that because Paramount bought the Without Remorse rights that they uh, are going to have either John Clark appear in Jack Ryan or Krasinski as Jack Ryan appear in the John Clark movies. I, I'm i just hoping that now that they're owned by the same people and both characters will be established well, I'm hoping that they will...
1: Uh... When I was reading up on... What was it? About Remorse? That initially it was supposed to be two movies what's the next one being rainbow six
0: yes that's what they that's what they're doing and there's a lot of story that's going to be missed there but they'll work the way around it or
1: maybe if the movie is received well and does well enough on amazon maybe they might shift rainbow six to be a companion series to jack ryan
0: dude i i have said so often that i think rainbow six would work Really well as a miniseries, especially for something like mm. HBO. It's not overly complex, but it's got a lot of movements. There's a lot of story in that book, and it's it's excellent. And because of the nature of the book, like you really need to spend time with the characters to love them, to want to root for them. Otherwise, it would be very easy for them to become stock characters. So, I think a miniseries would be perfect, I, or even just start it off as a TV series, and mm. you know, just keep stories going after where the book ends. There's no Rainbow Six book sequel, but that doesn't mean that there can't be more that are still based off of the foundation of what the book gave us. And anyway, um, the last note I have about some of our fears was I was really shocked watching it this time, especially watching it just a couple of days after the hunt for red October. This is essentially the same movie. This is a Jack Ryan kind of intro. And you have a a big bad guy who is actually good. You know, the Russian president and then the the Sean Connery character in the Hunt for Red October. Most of the conflict is out of fear of assuming what the other side might do. Uh, Jack Ryan has the same arc. He starts at a nobody. He gets brought into a meeting. He makes a bold statement. He gets mostly written off at the end and then single handedly uh, facilitates and negotiates a standoff that saves humanity and saves the American and Russian relationship. Like, this is essentially the same exact movie, and that, that surprised me. Anyway, do you have anything else you want to say? I know you like this movie more than I do. I like hey, it, though. No, I, really do. Think that, uh, I think that about sums it up. <laughs> all right, then let's finally get to the dreaded Jack Ryan Shadow recruits All
1: right, all right I got to start off with this one. Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, I got nothing to say. <laughs>
0: Like, nothing to say because you haven't seen it, or because if, your mama doesn't, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything nice at all?
1: I haven't seen it in probably about six years. Okay. I've kind of just written the movie off as quickly as it came out.
0: I just wanted to see some Captain Dude, Kirk. Look, I, I'm pretty sure that what you're telling me right now is literally everybody's experience with this movie, so... <laughs> it's an here is jack ryan a young covert cia analyst uncovers a russian plot to crash u.s economy with a terrorist attack isn't that some of our fears yes yes it is this <laughs> is the first non-book based jack ryan movie and gosh this movie shows this is where they really messed up i am on the low side of this movie is just okay yo whereas i think patriot games i'm on like the high side of it's okay maybe or oh, the low side i liked it somewhere around there i'm on the low side of this movie's okay i don't I, I probably, maybe I'm even in Don't Like It. I'm not in Hate It. And and here's why. This movie is not bad. It's very forgettable. That's the way I would describe this. This is not a bad movie, but there is nothing special. This is very forgettable. This is not as smart or as true to Jack Ryan. This is a stock spy movie. There is no reason for this to be labeled Jack Ryan. This could have just been called Shadow Recruit. I think Keira Knightley was okay as the physical therapist, but I hated the forced tension about his position as a cia person i've seen this a thousand times in movie and it's no different than any of the other thousand times in this movie i wish that this would stop um, or at least just finally be done well for once as opposed to just being stock like oh he's keeping secrets from me Uh, i don't need this mission impossible 3 did it and even by the time the time they did it it was super stale like and, and i talked about how with robert on his podcast that comes out today as well and the some things uh, man i like mission impossible 3 probably more than most people but oh i love it it's kind of it's kind of not a good thing when you say mission impossible 3 did this the best out of any movie ever and i think that you know maybe the really? kind of the tension handled there was probably the best but i appreciate and getting back to jack ryan shadow recruit i appreciate how the russian bad guy actually speaks russian almost all the time Not just English with an accent. I think this movie was not afraid to just give you the subtitles for authenticity's sake. And, you know, it's just refreshing to see that every now and then because you don't always get that. Also, I have a note here. LOL, remember when Windows phones were spending so much money for their phones to be used (laughs) in movies? And I say that (laughs) as somebody who owned a Windows phone for most of the night. Oh, you poor, poor man. Look, I loved my Windows phone. And a lot of it is because, you know, I don't really like Apple very much, but. I I really liked how just simple the u- user interface was. The store was always terrible. That's why I eventually switched to an Android. But uh, I I liked the interface of the Windows Phone quite a bit. Well, hold on. Don't say you hate Apple. You hate iOS. That's fair because I have a MacBook and I don't I don't particularly like hate my MacBook. I I like my MacBook. Yeah. Because, but yeah, anyway, I just thought it was really funny. Like there were like six people in the world that had Windows phones, and I was one of them. And they were always in your face, like about. You know making sure oh, look it has knew, tiles that you knew they had a Windows phone right and for it also like as somebody that had a Windows phone nobody that had any real job that needed to use their job or had any sort of like you know no business person had a Windows phone no CIA <laughs> agent ever had a Windows phone like the <laughs> only people that had Windows phones were high schoolers like me all right I'm done with that <laughs> this movie is surprisingly simple for what it wants to be uh, like I said this is a stock spy movie um stock main character stock everything pretty much it's vanilla pudding it is i think this movie hoped to launch a franchise but it doesn't seem obvious and in your face which i appreciate i mean i think one of the most the biggest sins for a movie is to do sequel baiting and gosh when sequel baiting is done for terrible movies like <laughs> the predator then god it makes that movie so much worse and i i appreciate how i think they hoped to start a franchise but it doesn't feel in your face about it or even really feel kind of well, even that big, so, or the
1: sequel baiting for uh, predators,
0: right? Right. <laughs> so I, that's just a note. Um, the, I will. I have one positive to say about this movie, and that is that there's a sequence. If you can remember the sequence, they do it all in the truck in a truck, and it's like just one scene. It's a sequence of trying to find this guy building the bomb to blow up some sort of building. It feels like something that would be out of a Tom Clancy movie. It feels like something that Jack Ryan would do because they have to. I, I like it's a really interesting sequence of them trying to figure out. Okay, this guy's never been to New York, so how is he gonna you know, attack this building? And they're like, well, he's never been there, and he doesn't have you know these aren't public access records like that. They find out that like, essentially, he had some cousin go tour the place take a bunch of touristy pictures and upload them to facebook and then so all of a sudden he has access to all these things it's just like that's a really smart way for the villains to get away with their thing that's a really smart way for you to figure that out like i thought that was the a really good part of the movie but that was it the rest of it i just didn't really like and yeah now and we could definitely be done talking about shadow <laughs> recruit i like i said i don't think this is a bad movie but Man, I, I watched this movie probably I watched this movie first because this was the only one I hadn't seen. I watched it probably a month ago because I knew I had five movies to watch and I'd never seen this one. And I was kinda itching to watch, you know, a movie like this and uh man, I already forgot almost all of it. I think I might watch it eventually again, but maybe not. Do you watch the Jack Ryan Amazon show? I have watched
1: one and a half seasons. Like I loved season one. Uh season two I started, but I got too far behind like with work and then other stuff came out so pretty much season 2 I've put on hold until season 3 comes out and then I'm just going to do them both together or probably restart the whole series building up okay. to it but season 1 I loved I thought I thought Krasinski did a fantastic job again with it being a TV series they had the time to build up storylines and build up twists properly and for something as intricate as espionage can be, I think a TV series is what lends best to the genre. And yeah. I think they're just nailing everything with it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I watched this show. I really love it. Um, season two is a significant step down from season one, but season one was excellent. Um, season two, I would say, is really good. It's not excellent. I wouldn't say it's great even. Um, Well, I think like with season
1: one, they were able to spend a lot more time on it. Because I remember season one, I went to New York Comic Con and they had stuff out for it. They already shot
0: stuff. They had some promos. And then it was another two years before the show even premiered. But they renewed it for season two before season one came out. Yeah. And before season two came out, they renewed it for season three. So I mean they might have had a little bit more time, but they still had enough time. Mm. And frankly, Amazon doesn't set the release dates until like, you know, a couple months in advance. Yeah. It's like let us know when you have it done and we're gonna try to give people like a fall, you know, for, for now.
1: Which I think that's a great way for Amazon to do it.
0: I think Krasinski's great in the role. Um I really like uh what's his name from The Wire? In uh, in this role again uh, as a, as Greer, I think he's terrific. Uh, Pierce, Wendell Pierce, I think. Is that his name Some or is that guy? his character from um, Suits? No, that's his. That's the actor's name. No, I th- I think he's excellent. Like I said, I love I love Krasinski in the role. I appreciate how they're doing eight episodes instead of this being like a ten or twelve or twenty four. Like I appreciate like eight seems like a good number per season. Yeah. Yeah. So I I really like the book. I do prefer. I, w- I wish that they would have done the the books instead of the, the tv series uh instead instead of just kind of writing their own stuff um i because i feel like you know something like the cardinal and the kremlin i you know may not be able to do a movie but i think tv series perhaps are. Um, i i want
1: them to build up the storyline from the books in the tv show where eventually jack ryan becomes the president
0: yeah. Well, and I could, you could see that in Clearing Present Danger. That's the one note that I didn't mention because Jack Ryan does become the president in the books.
1: Yeah, because he's the designated survivor.
0: I, yeah, I don't know for sure. But yeah, I know he is eventually the president and you can definitely tell they were doing that in Clearing Present Danger. I think they're kind of trying to go that way in the series based off of what I've seen in some of season two so that's really good i just wish that you know, season one was excellent and and that was great but i wish that you know even if they would have used season one as an intro point because you know the two movies that you could really use for an intro the patriot games and the sum of all fears or patriot games and the hunt for red october like they've already been done i get wanting to do originality and so you know i wish that they would have done like the cardinal and the kremlin and the bear and the dragon and red rabbit you know as season two three and four like actually have these books that haven't been adapted yet like Yo, don't you don't have to do Clear and Present Danger again. You don't have to do Patriot Games again. You don't have to do Sum of All Fears again. Give me, give me all the other ones. Yeah, I guess, I guess I just wish it would kind of go in that direction. But you know, at least they're writing it to where it feels like Jack Ryan as opposed to Shadow Recruit. But I really like that show. That's what I gotta say. You ready to rank them? I am. All right. Why don't you give your ranking first? Uh, if you include the TV <laughs> series in it, that's fine. But don't feel like you have to. Uh, just give me the rundown. I can't include TV series in it because it's a separate beast. That's fair. Bottom to top. Uh, yeah, do bottom to top.
1: All right, Shadow Recruit number five. Okay. Then from that, now my number four would probably be Patriot Games. Okay. Then I'd have to go Clear clearing present danger. All right. Hunt for Red October. Some of our fields and some of our fears at number one.
0: All right. Yeah, I'm going Shadow Recruit at the bottom. Patriot Games, just like you have, but then I'm putting some of all fears um there and then Clearing Present Danger above Some of Our Fears and then if I were to put the TV series I would put that in between Clearing Present Danger Hunt for Red October but if we're just talking just movies then yeah Hunt for Red October would be number 1 Clearing Present uh, Danger I I can't
1: two. explain why Some of Our
0: Fears is my number 1 but I I get it I like I said I I liked it I think I'm going to keep liking it more as it it will never be Hunt for Red October level for me or I I can present. see that I think the only thing I have against Hunt for Red October is when you compare it to the
1: rest of the series, it's the less actiony.
0: Yeah, but I mean that's
1: that's the nature character. of the story. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah.
0: All right, uh, how about actors, performances, bottom to top again. Top? Who do you like as Jack Ryan? Krasinski's my favorite, followed by Affleck.
1: It's weird. Like I wanna say Ford would be my number three, but I think if Baldwin was kept on for more movies, I'd be able to rank him higher than Ford. But just because Affleck only has the limited Matt Affleck, uh, Alec Baldwin, uh, I'd have to, yeah, and then, yeah, I'll put Ford above Baldwin, then there's Baldwin, and then there is absolutely nobody for eight spaces, and then Pine, (laughs) because Pine was horribly miscast, I think.
0: I mean, I don't know that he was miscast, it's just I don't think that he was written very well, and that's really what it's going to come down to to what the way i pick these and Mm -hmm. so uh i'm gonna put krasinski on top as well and then i'll put ben affleck and then i'm gonna put ford but specifically in *Clear and present danger and then i'll put alec baldwin (laughs) and then i'm gonna put ford again in patriot games under baldwin you cheated i did cheat but he's the only person that has two movies Uh, and then i'll put chris pine at the very bottom for that but yeah if you if you ask me to clump ford together uh probably baldwin would go on top but i think that I think that Ford and Clary present danger is a stark difference from them. So, all right, we talked about Jack Ryan for about as long as we have have elected to. So let's move on to the B plot. Uh, and uh, this mo- this question is inspired from from this series. What are some movies that deserve sequels? Because man, some of all fears, like you, like we were talking about earlier, I would like the sequel. Um, I would like the Hunt for Red October sequel to be, you know, with not. A very stark difference clear and present danger frankly could have still used more sequels all that like what are some movies that really deserve sequels and uh why don't you go first and we'll do like a back and forth thing all
1: right i'm gonna cheat but i'm going with source code
0: all right well how is that a cheat
1: because i've said it before and i know you kind of have it on your list but uh that's a movie i'm passionate about that they could very easily keep recycling the same formula well, it's different situations, and just there's no reason why it didn't have a train of sequels following it, where it's just taking this technology, taking it, and just going to another disaster using someone else, and then just constantly repeating it.
0: Yeah, I put this on my list, but I put it in parentheses just because I was like, "You'll probably take it." <laughs> uh, man, source code is excellent, and I think I think people didn't see it because marketing, because they were just like, "Oh, like this looks like a kind of interesting concept." Oh, then like when it like, came like, out, I want
1: to say that's a Lionsgate movie. I think so. And back then, like they were putting all their focus on the Saw series, so yep. Lionsgate, I don't, really don't think could have put fair marketing in it. Now I think had like another studio put out the exact same movie when have got the sequels.
0: Sure. All right. I'm going to kick us, kick us off with the obvious, the nice guys. It's a movie that deserves a sequel. And uh, yeah, I love it. I was, I had this conversation with Robert on his podcast that came out today about like, if you could fantasy cast, uh, recast any movie and, you know, release it today, what would you do? And I about said, I want to do everything exactly the same with the nice guys and re-release it today because word of mouth has gotten around and I feel like you know you could you could promote it better keep it in the theaters for a long, for a longer than the like three week run that it had like I think The Nice Guys released again today that there would be enough support that they would create a sequel but um, obviously I didn't say that as my answer I didn't even mention it to Robert but I really thought about saying I want to do The Nice Guys but do everything the exact same uh, this movie needs deserves a sequel if they ever do a Nice
1: Guys sequel the only thing I want is I want Joe Pesci <laughs> okay I just want him added I'll tell Shane Black you got another one for me another movie that should get a sequel would it be a cheat if I do a sequel but as a television show
0: no I don't think so at all
1: back to the future
0: okay do you want this animated like that really crappy one that came along with that because I have the back to the future complete adventures and I tried to watch that animated show and it is awful
1: well it was a Saturday morning cartoon meant to educate I believe it's bad. But, no, I did. I want a Back to the Future TV series that I already have a full idea flushed out for it. Okay. I tweeted out that I had an idea for a Back to the Future TV series. I threw it out there, and everyone said, no, it's horrible. And then I would DM them my actual idea, and it turns them around completely. Okay. So I'm throwing that out in the universe. All I right. want my Back to the Future series.
0: There you go. I'm going to pick a lead battle angel because this is a movie that does really well at world building and I want to live more in this world. And I, I mean, I, I feel like people on Twitter that are clamoring for, I mean, this, this movie is really good. It deserves a sequel, but like I am not one of those fanatics on Twitter. Hey, did it sequel baiting. Yeah, it is. It did sequel bait. Uh, there are so many like Stan accounts for Alita Battle Angel that are literally just like created to just pester people about making an Alita sequel. And so anytime IMDb will say something like, "What's a sequel to a movie you really want?" There's like fifty accounts that go to a, a like that just go tweet Alita Battle Angel. Like I'm I'm not that passionate about it, but. I definitely really want a sequel to this. I think that the first movie was flawed,
1: Definitely flawed. But
0: I think that it set up a really interesting world, set of characters I care about, and I think that they can learn from their mistakes. You got another one for me, Frank?
1: I had one and then I lost it, and this is the last time I was on the show.
0: <laughs> I got nothing right now. All right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going then, and I'm gonna talk about Bill and Ted Face the Music because I I don't know if there are plans to make more here, but uh, I really want a Bill and Ted Face the Music sequel. I thought about this would be really fun if they turned it into like a half hour comedy TV show, but I know they tried to do that with an animated style that really poorly received, but man, I, I'm i going to stick with, I think, it, I, I think kind of honestly a like half hour comedy TV show would be the way to go. And, but specifically, I don't want Keanu and Alan, Alex winter in the roles anymore, at least like as the main characters, because I think they're, they're fine. And you know, they would,
1: well, Bill and Ted face the music. I felt the movie itself
0: was a passing of the torch. Kind of, I don't you know. know. See, I don't know that it was trying to pass the torch, but Samara Weaving and Bridget Lindy Payne are excellent, and I want to see them do, in the like, be the stars of the next Bill and Ted movie. I because that was the part of the Bill and Ted based music that I cared about the most.
1: You know, there's a Bill and Ted pilot out there. Is there? Yeah, they tried a live action series back in the nineties. You can find it floating around YouTube, and it, I believe it's horrible.
0: I want Plus, more of this franchise, but. I want Bill Jr. and Ted Jr. Not, I mean, I know they're not, it's like Ted's kid is Bill. I I, I want, I want Billy and Theodosia whatever her name is. I want, I want more of them. You good? Or you want me to keep going? No, no. I realized the one that
1: escaped me from earlier. I really want a Clerks 3. I'm an average fan for Clerks 1. Clerks 2, when it came out, it hit me perfectly because I've, Fully understand that whole point in your life where you know you hit that age and that time in your life where you're growing up and you need to figure out a way to move on, and then there's that whole great scene in the jail cell where it's like, Yeah, you know, Pooper, get off the plot or get off the toilet. Yeah. You know, I'll try to that up, but like, you know, moving on to the next phase of your life, and I believe the movie did it well. But now we're another, you know, 10 years out from that movie, and I feel like I know Smith is. You know, talked about how he wants to do a Clerks three, and I really want to check in on these characters yet again to see where they're at in their life and yeah. where they plan on going.
0: I think I I'm kind of with you. I'm a okay. I'm an average fan of Clerks, probably a little bit less than most people, but Clerks two hit me the right way as well. Uh, it, it does go a little off the rails at the one scene. And if you know, you know. And that's really the only negative I have to oh, say definitely. about the movie. But yeah, I, I'm a big fan of, of Clerks. I'm a big fan of Chasing Amy, Mall I love the whole Askew universe. I ha-
1: Tell me you've seen, like, I have a poster of Chasing Amy around here in my room. I love that movie. And have you seen James Tom and Bob
0: reboot? Yeah. That scene with Affleck just, it hits me hard in the field, especially being a dad. So I've seen all these universe except for Dogma because it's so hard to get your hands on a copy of Dogma. I really love all the movies except for Jane Silent Bob reboot. I hated it. So that's that's my thing. But uh, I'm going to get back to our list here of uh, movies that deserve sequels. I want to talk about Happy Death Day to You because this movie is excellent and it sets, it sets it does sequel bait for sure. But Blumhouse just doesn't seem to want to make the sequel, even though it did financially really well. It did critically much better than the first one. Like, I, I don't know why Blumhouse doesn't want to make the sequel, especially, you know, make the sequel to the first Happy Death Day in, in the first place. Like, man, why, give me give me Happy Death Day 3. I think
1: they've said with the ending of Happy Death Day to You was set up as purely as a joke with no intentions of actually doing it. Either way, I want more. I think they're more focused on, outside the Purge movies, I really don't think they're too big on trying to franchise out stuff. I
0: Halloween. could be wrong. Yeah. I think Blumhouse is for sure okay with franchising their stuff. Mm.
1: Um,
0: I've got one more. You ready for it? What's that? I'm going to say Pacific Rim. And I, I mean this in one of one of two ways. Either give me a different mm. sequel instead of Uprising, which is not the intention of this question. Um, give me, you know, because I don't hate Uprising. Um, I saw it in theaters twice and loved it both times. I haven't really liked it anytime I've watched it at home. I think it's probably just the theatrical experience for that one that of why I loved it. Uh, it's, it's, it's dumb fun, but the first one I thought was going to be dumb fun and it wound up not being, it was fun, but it was also smart and it was dumb at moments and all that. It's just
1: either you go in for giant things fighting each other or you don't. And right. to me, that's what the movies just need to set out to be like people that didn't like it. It's like, what are you expecting? Like the people that were, dragging on the last like, King Kong or like Godzilla movies. like yeah. What are you going and expecting? It's a giant creature feature. There's nothing else to aim for.
0: Yeah, even with Uprising being the way it is, I would still like to see a sequel because I think... Kind of the caveat is you get, you got to get Guillermo del Toro back. But as long as he comes back, I'm good.
1: Keep him as a producer. Anything else? I kind of feel like... He was a producer of Uprising. I feel like that's all he really needs to be. I think he can create good ideas,
0: but... As far as anything else, I'm not a huge fan of him. I've only seen The Shape of Water and the first Hellboy. I don't think I've seen any of that. I haven't seen Pan's Labyrinth or Hellboy 2. Or...
1: I think he can create unique stuff with some great visuals. But I don't see... Like, outside of him creating the visual elements, I don't see if he's doing anything else that... Someone else can't do. I guess that's fair. All right, like,
0: Frank. We got one last thing here. It's the the spinoff. So, what is that one thing in pop culture that you want to tell everybody to watch or to avoid?
1: I've been waiting all week to get to this because I found out about it myself early this week. Not found out about. It. I knew these movies existed. I just never had a chance to see them. And then I saw they were on Netflix, and I watched them both. Creep and Creep Two. Have you heard of these movies? I've heard of them. Uh, they both star Michael Duplass. How do I say his name? Uh, Duplass. Yeah. And I don't want to, I really want to talk about this movie, but go in blind. Trust me. The first movie is only like an hour and 12 minutes. Second one's an hour and 20. Just go in, watch it blind. The only okay. thing I'll say is it's not a found footage movie, but it is at the same time. Okay. That's all I can explain. But it's good. I will say this, if you're watching it with a surround sound system, maybe don't, because it has a couple of jump scares that it made my subwoofer literally jump. Like, the jump scares in it, they go heavy on the bass. Okay. And it's a quiet movie, so you will have your system turned up.
0: I've got it on my Netflix queue now. All right. What about you? Frank, do you want me to recommend or warn a movie? I want you to recommend I'm all about the positivity today. Okay, that's fine. I've watched two movies for being on Robert's podcast recently. One of them, uh, I'm watching through Ryan Gosling's filmography. That was I was going to warn one movie, but I already did that on Twitter. So it's it's good that you said this recommend anyway, because I tweeted out and I said, hey, you guys remember when Gangster Squad came out? Yeah, movie still sucks. So that was going to be my <laughs> warn. And that's like the perfect tweet to summarize that movie. <laughs> I'm I'm going to recommend a movie. And this is a very soft recommend. And it's for a specific audience. I'm gonna talk about Brad Bird's Tomorrowland. Did you see this, Frank?
1: Yes, I saw it in theaters. I rewatched it recently, and I still stand on how I feel about the movie.
0: And how do you feel about the movie?
1: I loved it until the third act, and then it just falls completely apart.
0: Okay. This movie is not excellent. It's not great. I, I would say it's on the it's probably on the high side of it's okay, or it's on the low side of good, but I didn't watch this movie for the past five years because when it came out, you know, I remember everybody is excited because Brad Bird's making this movie and it's going to be live action starring George Clooney. It's about Tomorrowland. Like all this sounds, all this sounds amazing. And then all of a sudden I remember all the critics were essentially just saying, Hey, it is possible for Brad Bird to make a bad movie.
1: Like visually it's great. Everything else is great,
0: but just that ending it didn't sit right with me and, That's, that's totally fair. I mean, it
1: happens.
0: I talked about it more with Robert on the podcast that launches today. So if you're interested, check out that, but here's who I am not recommending this movie to is anybody who has already seen it. (laughs) Um, If you've seen it, you know, your opinion, right? Here's who I am recommending this. And and here's who I'm also not recommending this movie to just anybody. Here's who I am recommending this movie to anybody who specifically missed out on it in 2015, because like me, you saw the reviews, you heard Brad Bird made a bad movie, and you decided, okay, I won't touch it. That's who I'm recommending this movie to, It's specifically that audience of people that missed out on it because of its initial reputation. Look, it's not great. It's maybe high side of okay or slow side of liked it, but visually, it's really attractive, uh, George Clooney is having some fun. You know, there's, there's a lot worse you can do. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I think Thank that's you. fair. Well, with that in mind, that's a wrap. It's a quick reminder that Sif Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media. And if you're interested in writing for SifPop.com or you want to get in contact with us, maybe send us a question to explore during the B-plot, then email us here at writersroom at SifPop.com. You can find that email in the description for this episode. And if you want to support the show, help out with some costs that we pay for out-of-pocket, such as fees, equipments, rentals, things like that, either you can Venmo me at SchweitCastle or you can email that writersroom at Sippop.com or DM me on Twitter and I'll send you the PayPal address that you should send some money to. Uh, and please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes if you're checking out that. You have no idea how much it actually helps out the show. And uh, while you're doing things, go ahead and search Schweitcastle on that's S C H White Castle, like the restaurant that Harold and Kumar go to. On Letterboxd to keep up with shorter movie thoughts or just simply ratings, or search Sip Pop Writer Room and you'll find my profile. And Schweit Castle is also that on Twitter for me, so go give me a follow and whatnot. But Frank uh, talked about ways that people connect with me. Where can people connect with you and kind of you know DM you to find out what your Back to the Future <laughs> uh tv series plot synopsis is. at
1: frank kemp three on twitter and i pretty much stick with that virtually everywhere and yeah if you want to write for a Sifpop, go ahead email them they'll let you do it they let me i don't know why literally there's no bar i mean as long as you can type preferably in english but we have google Translate, so hey
0: you know, Frank, I can't think of a better way to end the show than that. Next week, I will be talking um, uh, Titanic with uh, Chantal again as our nostalgic movie. Be looking forward to that in your podcast player next Wednesday. And uh, we'll see you then. But until then, Frank, we got to get back to the writer's room.